The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we usually have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self awareness to make a difference in the world. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and what's different about this episode is it's the third in a three-part mini-series called Becoming Your Own Spiritual Advisor. It goes dark in this episode, folks, real dark. We're talking bankruptcy, welfare, railing against God, but it also becomes about loving your fate, recognizing when you're getting exactly what you need. And I share about how I came home to myself and to my spirit. Hi, I'm Carmen Spaniola. Thanks so much for being here for the third part of this three-part podcast, Becoming Your Own Spiritual Advisor. In part one, I did an overview of the stages of spiritual development and some of the qualities and skills and terms that are useful to know. And in the second podcast, I began to dive more deeply into those five stages of spiritual development. And now we come to what I referred to in the first podcast as the most important stage, and that is the incorporation. And here I'll quote my, my lovely Joseph Campbell, who I love. He said, at a certain moment in his life, the idea came to Nietzsche of what he called the love of your fate. Amor fati, the love of your fate. Whatever your fate is, whatever the hell happens, you say, this is what I need. And it may look like a wreck, but go at it as though it were an opportunity, a challenge. If you bring love to that moment, not discouragement, you will find the strength is there. That's Joseph Campbell. And then more simply said, David White, the poet, said, The night will give you a horizon further than you can see. I love that because that is so true. The incorporation is the time of the indwelling. And as it, at its easiest, it's a time of stillness, of taking a pause. But at its hardest, it's the long, dark night journey. Developing your intuition so you can become your own spiritual advisor requires sensitivity. Darkness cultivates an aptitude for sensitivity. So the incorporation is the time of deepening wisdom of the ecological self, the self that is woven into all things. And the first lesson of incorporation is acceptance. And the first thing you have to accept is that your momentum is irretrievably gone for the moment. And there is no solution and no idea that will move you more quickly through this time because it's not a problem it's a predicament problems have solutions 
But there is no solution to a predicament. There is only a response. And there's a beautiful image that I think really captures what this time is about. And you've probably heard people say, you know, the deeper the roots, the higher the reach. So if you can imagine that you're a tree, your, your human self incarnate is the trunk and you're reaching up to spirit and your branches are having this kind of dynamic exchange with, you know, the air and the moisture in the air and the sun and it's the photosynthesis. It's this magical, beautiful, you know, showy exchange that's happening. It's that sexy collaboration with the universe. That is spirit work. That is the ascent. That's reaching up to the heavens. Incorporation is soul work. It's the stuff that goes down, the stuff that goes down deep. It is the descent and the roots. And the work of the roots is dark and dank and solitary. And you're like this mole that doesn't know where it's going, you know. And often the movement or the progress is like undetectable. <laughs> That's the tough stuff. That's the stuckness. So I want to give you some of the associations with the incorporation. Night, winter, adulthood, sufficiency sustainability, conservation, clarity, wisdom, the giveaway, determination, patience, faith, metal, white, north, buffalo, bighorn sheep, generosity, tribe, integration, and indwelling. Shadow attributes would include coldness, self-isolation, despair and depression, paralysis by analysis. So let's talk about that shadow side of the incorporation period that is disconnection and denial, having that uh, emotional coldness or lack of passion, or just being in the dark, you know, circling the drain with depression and despair. But here's what I'd like you to know. We usually come out of the long, dark night journey of the soul not long after we stumble upon the realization that up to now, our selfish self has been treating God like a possession. Because when you're just thanking spirit for all the gifts that it's given you, you know, oh, I like what you've done for me. Look what I've manifested. This is awesome. Life is great. You're really controlling the relationship. And we all do this. We want the fruits of a relationship with God. We want clear direction and purpose. We want comfort and distress. But we don't necessarily want... God. We don't want God who allows us to feel pain or, you know, pardon the double entendre, you know, God forbid, a God who wants us 
to hurt in order to grow. And once we realize what our real motives are, really self-protection, self-fulfillment, all of that, then we can move beyond a desire for just the gifts of God to a relationship with God itself. We can shift from knowing about the activity and the evidence of spirit in our life to a sense of deep communion with spirit. But we have to release our narcissistic demand for our own fulfillment so we can move into the dark night way of knowing where we can incorporate our deepest truth, our truest truth, the truth that rarely sees the light of day. Honestly, let's be honest. It's, it's our selfishness. It's our shame. It's our guilt. It's our um, judgment. You know, it's whatever we hide, whatever we fear that God knows about us that we don't want to face. So during the incorporation, we begin to realize that spirit actually isn't satisfied with just gestures of um, thanks and gratitude or praise uh, for all that it has given us. You know, these small bits of movement towards the nature of spirit. Spirit wants you to go all the way. Spirit wants you to love as spirit loves. Spirit wants you to go into a state of unconditional, no matter what shit's going down, love and acceptance. So my own long, dark night of the soul happened. It happened um, after my business closed. So I had been in full on threshold for a few years. So I'd had a spiritual vision to open an eco home furnishing store. I didn't actually know that the vision was to open a store, but uh, the vision was to open a business. And I actually got the logo first, and then I got a tagline, and then I started to figure out what the business was. That's kind of a whole other story about manifestation. But anyway, I had this vision. But at the time, like I couldn't scratch two pennies together. I was a single mom. I was working, but um, yeah, I had no savings. Had just been through a really... um, (laughs) difficult uh, separation uh, while I was pregnant, actually. So I was a single mom, was like an infant. But I meditated and was, you know, trying to understand the symbolism and the visions kept coming, like really specific ones. And, uh, you know, the clear audience was kicking in. I was hearing messages as well. So I sought a therapist and this transpersonal psychologist, so a psychologist who specializes in um, sort of the nature of a spiritual life said, uh, oh, don't worry. You're not going crazy. You're just having a spiritual opening. (laughs) And I think we should do some regression. And I have a feeling it's going to be just like turning on a lamp. And it was, it really was. That was uh, Dr. Johnny Gray, uh, who was fabulous. And um, I continued to work with her for a while and uh, train with her actually in regression, because it was like turning on a lamp. It was like I saw the matrix. And No joke, 30 days later, I had manifested nearly $100,000 in, you know, investment support, credit, all of that. I had it. And I was standing in that 30 days. I was standing in my stocked, staged, ready-to-open retail store. 
So fast forward to a year later, um, my annual sales were almost half a million dollars in revenue. I was on CBC Radio. I was on, um, that's our national uh, radio in Canada. I was on, um, in our national home and design decor magazines. I was uh, on national design television so shows. And I was also speaking to audiences um, at sustainability um, home shows and uh, retail conferences where the theme was about sustainability and social venture. So I was on panels with head honchos from companies like, you know, Lululemon and Mountain Equipment Co-op and, you know, I was at these conferences with big people, you know, idols of mine. Um, and ones that aren't necessarily idols, but are famous, like Ed Bigley Jr. Anyway, <laughs> and then, um, well, then the global economy went into palliative care. <laughs> and boy, did uh, high-end, eco-friendly home furnishings, uh, that market sure skidded to a halt. And so I learned about the fine print of the law of attraction, the sort of Faustian bargain that is manifestation. And again, that's a whole other topic. But I learned about um, rapid manifestation without uh, structure to support it. And in this time of uh, sort of very rapid decline and decay and failure in my business, I got lesson after lesson about my intrinsic sense of worth versus what my ego thought I was worth. Uh, there's um, David Schnark. He has a book, uh, Intimacy and Desire. He talks about the reflected sense of self and the solid, flexible sense of self, the reflective sense of self that understands who it is by what the world reflects. So you're, you know, the car you drive, the house you're in, the relationship you have, um, how other people perceive you. And then the solid, flexible sense of self, which of course is that intrinsic piece. But for me, I, you know, I'm stubborn this way. I had to lose it all to really confront the question of whether I thought I was worth anything at all, really. And the universe probed me, like really kind of kept testing me, like, do you have any self-esteem at all? Because, you know, you look real confident up there on stage talking and you seem pretty smooth, but if you didn't have all these fancy props and uh, if you weren't this sort of, you know, respected expert and if you weren't seen in sort of spiritual circles, this sort of this master manifester, like, would you even like yourself at all? Because you're sure not very nice to yourself. And I, you know, I was, I was a real mean girl in my head to myself. Um, so, you know, and, and anything that I would do, people would maybe come up and praise me and want to say like, oh, wow, your, your speech was really fantastic, or I loved what you said on the panel about this. And what would come out of my mouth? It'd be like, oh, yeah, well, actually, I should have said that. Or, oh, yeah, too bad I you know, screwed that up by forgetting this whole point or whatever. Like, I, I would only criticize. So then there I was, <laughs> uh, having to declare bankruptcy, a single mother, very young child by then, um, so depressed that I couldn't even have a conversation really with someone. I'd have to cut conversations really short and I'd have very few in person. They'd have to be over the phone. 
because I would just randomly like well up with tears and I couldn't get a job at Starbucks which to me was just like the lowest depth of misery. Like that kind of tipped me over a cliff. But honestly, she was like, I filled out the application. The lovely manager was, you know, asked me a few questions and, you know, so, you know, why are you looking for a job? And like, (laughs) I was just like my throat completely knotted up, like just like mm, just got totally tight. And my eyes were just hot with tears. And like she could not match up the person on my resume who seemed like quite glorious and had done all of these, you know, illustrious things with the soggy mess of a person that she saw in front of her. So, you know, I was able to kind of stay afloat by selling all my things, you know, my furniture, my clothes and my daughter's clothes and toys and just everything on Craigslist. But I couldn't afford to buy groceries because they're expensive, especially when you're like me, you eat, you know, organic and sustainable. So I actually um, was able to find like a roadside garden, literally not like an allotment garden, not a community garden, because those things have wait lists and I needed food like now. But I found a roadside garden that a guy was, um, had dug up on the side of the, like a, the road, like <laughs> the sidewalk kind of thing. And um, he, he passed it on because he was moving. And so I lived on kale and potatoes for like nine months and my daughter I attended cooking school in France so I was able to do some pretty good stuff with it but um thank goodness for superfoods anyway and sometimes you know people would come to visit me and they'd stock my fridge but you know because they could tell something was wrong but of course I didn't tell them what was happening of course like as if I'm a big faker that way as if I'm going to tell you that I'm uh totally failing (laughs) you know I was so self-conscious and ashamed you know, and as if I was going to tell somebody that it took me four days of sitting in the parking lot uh, at the welfare office before I could go in. I would take my daughter to school and then I would go and I would sit in the parking lot and I was waiting for a time when nobody would be in there. And I would wait until I, like, really, and I hadn't, you know, where was I going to go? I'd sit there, and I'd, like, sleep or whatever. Sometimes I'd fall asleep in my car. Um, because being depressed is, I don't know, tiring. You have no energy. And But I'd watch the door. And, but I'll tell you what, there's never a time when there's nobody in the welfare office. But uh, by Friday, day five, I really needed to go in because all I had was um, just under $200. And I had no other prospects for rent. And it was like the 20th of the month. So I had to go in and uh, my whole body was just shaking. Like the shame of that moment was um, just causing my body to collapse. And I, I couldn't lift my eyes up off the floor because they were so full of like gobs of tears. Um, and I, I couldn't speak again. My throat just like completely um, tightened up. And and I've never even heard my voice like this before. It was so squeaky and so, like, it was literally a whisper. You know, you hear about that, you, you read about that in books, you know, somebody who could only get a, out a whisper. And that was actually happening to me. Um, and so, you know, I was sort of, it was finally my time. I got up, I went to the teller and was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what I should do. Should, is there a piece of paper I should fill out? Because I don't have any money and I can't get a job. And And, you know, the lady was, she couldn't hear me, and she was so sweet. Um, 
And I remember saying to me, oh, dear, you are breaking my heart. Come with me. And she took me, she whisked me into this back room. She kind of front of the lined me. And um, I was in front of a welfare officer very quickly. But did you know that you have to have less than $150 to your name, like including the change in your pocket and everything, before you can even qualify for welfare? (laughs) And, you know, when I was that poor, like I could make $200 last, like literally for 200 months for my living expenses, but you still have to pay rent. So she told me that, unfortunately, I was going to have to go and spend $50 and come back on Monday. And I wanted to die. Like, I did not want to go back there. And over the, real, the weekend, like, I realized how mad I was at God. Like, what the? Like, what? Are you kidding me with this? Seriously? And I, I had stopped meditating during this period because every time I would sit on my tuffet, naturally, I would just start to bawl. I didn't even know where it came from. So I became very meditation averse. But finally, I sat my butt down and I just let it all come out and I got mad. And like in my mind, I was screaming like, what the, uh, you know, like, God damn you. I have been here this whole time. Where have you been? Where are you now that I need you? And, uh, you know, like, now that I need you, how could you lift me up so high and then let me crash so painfully with, like, such devastation? Did it have to get to this point? Where are you now? And the voice did come. And it said, why are you yelling at me? Like I'm in the next room. Like I'm right here. I've been here the whole time. Where were you? And I realized, like really in that moment, you know, what John of the Cross was talking about with the long dark night journey of the soul is not the experience of seeking God and not finding. It's the experience of having had an intimate relationship with something divine and then losing it and being bereft of it. And so to sit down and say, where are you? And have it come back as a smack in the face. I'm right here was just, a, <laughs> it was a sobering moment. I lost my breath. I, I just couldn't believe that I'd forgotten my role in that. I wasn't there. You know, if you believe in God, then you get what I mean when, like, I wasn't on my meditation tuffet, you know, I didn't show up. And even if you don't believe in God, if you just believe in the human spirit, I had given up on myself. I wasn't there for me when I needed me. So in the incorporation, you have to reconcile that at some point you have to learn your, to love yourself as spirit does. Or just learn to love yourself full stop. To have faith in your own essence. And you can't give up on yourself or on your practice or on spirit. 
And you have to forgive yourself and forgive God. You know, because the universe, you know, if it could talk, it would say, you should know better by now. Love is not a one-way street. I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll compensate you sometimes. I'll even carry you at times. But you've got to know that you got to be there for yourself. I've got to know that you can and you will carry yourself. And by a carry, I don't mean carry your load. I mean carry your flag. Carry the, the torch of the fire that is you within you. Illuminate your dark night by carrying your torch high and by being there for yourself, not giving up on yourself, by loving yourself enough to forgive yourself your failures. You got to forgive yourself. Fail and forgive yourself. Fail, forgive spirit. Fail early, fail often, fail forward. And love yourself through the whole process. So in the dark night, we undertake this painful restructuring process of learning how to love and be loved, starting with ourselves. And there is no humanly constructed way to wholeness. No amount of therapy, no amount of talking, no amount of self-reflection is going to get you there. In this time, the incorporation period, nothing you can think about or envision or do will affect your situation in any way. You have to just love it. You have to love it as spirit loves unconditionally. You have to relish in the beauty of the dire agony of your situation. You have to devote yourself even to the desperate futility, the, the, inaching, the, 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 the aching inevitability that you're going to hurt and, and fail and be lonely and, and wretched because that's precisely what's beautiful about it. It's the humanity of it, the universality of it. You will hurt and I will hurt and there is nothing we can do about that. And that's actually the service that spirit does for us, the invitation to expand to new levels of empathy and awareness, new levels of empathy to give us greater capacity to generously love some other wretched soul because we've been wretched too. So let's just stop and face it and be brave and face it squarely and head on and just stop wishing for this time to be different and just surrender and by the way you know after i surrendered and just recognized the perfection of my shitty situation and said oh my god this is what i need now Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's when my life started to turn around. And so you surrender, and then you move towards the urge towards communion. 
you face your dark truths and the fog lifts and then the rebirth begins. And I realized that I didn't get into very deeply the tangible skills of moving through the dark night journey, that incorporation period. But there are many, you know, there are practices, Pono. there's the work of Byron Katie, there's, there's all different kinds of things you can do that will help get you there. But ultimately, it's, the, it's an experience of beingness. And the urge towards communion is the natural outgrowth of that beingness. It's when the new perspectives, new love, new love of self, love of others, you know, love of humanity, new energy is available to you. Finally, hooray. <laughs> and there's this feeling of wholeness that pervades the time of communion. And in order to maintain that holistic sense, we reach for ways to keep in touch. You know, we want to stay in this place of communion, especially after the incorporation. Oh, gosh, (laughs) of course we do. And in, in the past, we've probably been surprised by spiritual revelation or rapture experiences of awe. But now we can begin to develop that sixth sense for when it's coming on again. So this is when there is a a rebirth of desire to develop the intuition in order to better collaborate and, and relate to the unseen forces of life. And there is a feeling of abundance and generosity within you. Um, W.B. Yeats said in this great poem, um, He's like, I can't remember what it's called, but he's like in a coffee shop and he has like a a spiritual, like a moment of samadhi, of, of spiritual union with all that is. And in this poem, he says, it seemed so great, my happiness, that I was blessed and could bless. So it's that universality again of, of not only experiencing the blessings, but being able to gift them and generously bestow them and the desire to share with others and support them. So qualities, associations with the urge towards communion are beingness, milestones, elderhood, communication, the archetype of the healer, teacher, artist, sage, Communion, transcendence, rapture, awe, ether, a quality that is prismatic, the sense of above and below, energy, intuition, trust, integrity, and synthesis. And the shadow side, some associations with the shadow side are ego tripping about spirit, Rejection of human nature, a lack of sacred boundaries, oversharing, <laughs> and neediness and uh, validation, neediness for validation. So we look for direct communion with spirit and also for spiritual communion in other people. For example, Tantra, that's a path where 
the companion of a beloved is integral to the journey. And as I mentioned um, in the other podcast, there are many approaches to couples therapy, like imago therapy, where they take the position that spiritual awakening and the satisfaction of a holy longing is the whole point of romantic relationships. And even non-romantic relationships as well. So um, the Sufi poet... Uh, and mystic Rumi wrote thousands of poems about this guy Shams and as far as we know it was just like a completely heterosexual relationship but they were so closely bonded in their brotherhood because they walked the spiritual path together and they 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 um you know contemplated spirit and the nature of soul together and that's what I love actually about um doing workshops and retreats with um, others on personal development or spiritual together development. Because when you're doing it together in those kinds of immersive um, situations, when we gather together to do the work together, the work is actually happening. (laughs) You know, we're not just reading about spiritual development or intuitive development. We're doing it now. We're not just watching the YouTube about it. We're actually practicing. And when we come together, it amplifies our effort and it magnetizes the universe towards us and magnetizes the energy that we want to cultivate and sends it in our direction. And, you know, as you might expect, one stage of the uh, cycle of spiritual development leads to the next. So, yes, in this period of the urge towards communion, you'll probably uh, get deeper into your meditation uh, or divination play or um, um, exploration, like with the... you know, tarot cards or astrology or numerology or um, energy work, quantum touch, all of those things, you start to get a feel for which of your dominant clairs makes uh, which modality uh, easiest for you or most appropriate. And maybe like me, you, you want to actively work to um, uh, bring balance to your clairs. I don't know why I like that, but I, I just, um, I have very strong uh audience and um, clairvoyance when I started out, but now my clairsentience and cognizance has been developed quite a bit as well. For some reason, to me, that was very interesting, and I wanted to do that, and I continue to do that. Um, and you'll gather with others. Um, you know, maybe, maybe for you, <clears throat> you know, I, I've talked about my Quaker experience a bit, I, I totally get that organized religion in the modern day is by many people considered to be quite, you know, um, old-fashioned or anachronistic or just too contrived. Totally get that. Um, you know, not for everybody, but for many. Uh, but, you know, I went to that Quaker meeting and there was something so touching and moving about gathering with other people. And it was so familiar. It was like coming home. It really was. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was familiar on an ancient level. 
And I, I express that at the end of meeting, you know, they go around and say, you know, who's new? Who's a visitor? Tell us who you are. And I said, hi, you know, my name's Carmen. And this feels like coming home. And I got all, you know, I, I cry easily, but I got all choked up and started crying. And afterwards, probably five Quakers said, oh, that's so nice to hear. Everybody says that the first time they come, right? So <laughs> there's something really comfortable about coming together to share the experience and amplifying uh, our resonance with spirit. But if for you, uh, a spiritual community doesn't feel quite right, um, perhaps you'd like to create one of your own. So when I moved to the town I now live in, uh, I didn't have anyone to play the transformation game with me. And if you're not familiar with that game, you can find it on the Inner Links website, innerlinks.com, I think, or .org. And uh, the transformation game was created by uh, some um, residents, I guess, at the Fintorn Foundation in Scotland, a very famous eco and spiritual retreat in Scotland. And you've probably seen the angel cards somewhere. If you're a spiritual seeker at all, you've seen the angel cards. Well, they actually originally were just a piece of uh, the gameplay of the transformation game. So it's an intuitive game of life. Uh, everybody's playing their own game, and it's um, you ask a focus question, and it, you play the game to um, tap into your intuition to discern uh, the answer to your question. Anyway, nobody in Victoria, where I live, knew it. And so I started once a month to invite people over to play. And they were people that I would just choose that didn't know each other. Some were clients, some were friends, some were very new acquaintances that I didn't know at all. Uh, some were, were family. And I would invite them over and we would play. And that is how I trained basically now I think there's 30 people in my town who know how to play this game and anytime I say oh I'm gonna host a you know big group game with multiplayers there's like all these people's hands go up and they say oh I've got a board you can borrow so it's a community a, a, a kind of a faith community of my own creation and maybe that might be something that you would be able to uh, do to satisfy that urge for communion to share your spiritual experience with others so you move through the uh, period of communion, and of course what will happen, you'll be leveling up your awareness. And so there will be a new in-breaking of greater awareness and, and consciousness. So now you're back into the cycle again. And of course, with that new awareness, there's the urge to sever with that which doesn't serve you anymore. And of course, the urge to sever then leads to the threshold. And so it just kind of keeps cycling through. So it's really good to learn the signs and uh, symptoms in some cases of the different stages of spiritual development so that you can anticipate what your soul is longing for next and multitask as you juggle all of the different areas of your life and the different stages you're in. So I read recently an amazing blog post, or it's an article, that was just a tour de force takedown of TED Talks. If you don't know what TED Talks are, uh, Google it, tedtalks.com. Um, I used to love TED Talks, but now they're kind of bugging me. They're... they're <laughs> couple of years. Um, but anyway, the, the, this article wasn't just like a bitch fest of, of Ted. It was a critique of what he calls Ted thinking that pervades so much of the social and um, 
political discourse these days where we just sort of want the Coles notes of everything and sort of instant gratification. So he had you imagine that there was such thing as an orgasm machine. And you just, you hook into it and poof, instant ecstasy. And it works every time, exactly when you want it and how. <laughs> and he said that TED Talks is like an orgasm machine for the mind. It gives the climax of epiphany, but without the challenge and tension of thought. And so much of what he said, particularly that line, resonates with me on the spiritual level. Don't rob yourself of the process of your spiritual development. Don't just hurry along the path and sort of skip over the obstacles when the path and the obstacles are what spirit meant for you. Just luxuriate in the satisfaction of overcoming. Becoming your own spiritual advisor and developing your intuition, it's simple. It's really simple, but it's not easy. It's not an easy road. So recognize your inherent capacity for meaningful endurance. And if you feel that you don't have very much inherent capacity, cultivate it, celebrate it, and stick with the process. Harvest the riches of both the journey and the stillness. Live off your preserved harvest in the still times. Don't rush it. And besides, if you're trying to rush along the path, it really does no good to outrun your guide. So there's no point in trying to get away from what your guide, where your guide is trying to lead you. If you want to become truly adept at living an intuitive life, you begin with loving as spirit does. Love all of it, every part, including every part of yourself. And when you do, you become a spiritual nurturer. And as a spiritual nurturer, you're better able to navigate your path and help the journeyers with you. What I would love to do now is journey together. So if you haven't already done so, I'd encourage you to download the MP3 recording called Travel Deeper. And I created this recording as a way to explore your soul's history and any wisdom that's there that it might want to share with you next to help you orient yourself in your spiritual development and glean any insights or messages about what your soul is longing from you next. And if you don't have the Travel Deeper MP3, then you can go on my website and Subscribe to my email newsletter, and when you do, you'll receive an instant meditation download that is a past life journey, and we can journey together that way. So thank you again for being here with me all this time, for listening, and for taking time out of your day to have soul time, a little temple time some sacred time 
just for you. And it may sound saccharine or cheesy, but it really will make the world a better place, even just the world in your own four walls. So blessings to you on your journey, and I hope we meet again. Well, there you have it, folks. That's my story, and I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please review it on iTunes and share it far and wide so it can reach more seekers just like you. You never know who's going to need it today. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspagnola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A, and click the link for the Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.